Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. This morning, uh, we give you thanks, Lord, that the significance of the church, while not being understood by the world and by those that think that they, they govern the affairs of men, we know that it is your church called to change the world. We know that it's your people that you speak to that will transcend history, Lord, making all things, Father God, established upon the earth. Like the Our Father says, let thy kingdom come and thy will be done upon the earth, Lord. Father, we pray that this word would encourage your people, that it would establish your people, that it would turn the hearts of your people in the direction you would have them go. Because we declare your word this morning as a lamp unto our feet. As your word said, is it a light unto our path? It is the good seed planted in a good heart that will give forth good fruit, O God. And we pray, Father, that your word would transform our inner man. Uh, we would be transformed from glory to glory and that your word would be sent out as a double-edged sword, Lord, piercing the hearts of men that they might walk as God would have them walk, that we might understand the things you want us to understand and walk with the wisdom with which you pour out on the hearts of those who humble themselves before you. We want to be the head, Lord. We don't want to be the tail. We want to be on top. We want to be above and not beneath, Lord. And you said if we hearken, hear your voice, and put your commandments and your word into play, acting them out in our lives in obedience, Lord, that we will be blessed coming in and blessed going out. And our enemies will all be destroyed before us. So bless your word and let it prosper in the hearts of your people making us wiser lord and filled with your presence we pray in jesus name amen amen so as we get started today uh we're going to start seeing um that there's nothing in life like obtaining success i don't know if those of you who have been successful in life uh last week we talked about rejection and we talked about uh betrayal Rejection and betrayal are the most awful things that could come into the life of a human being. And we know that the love of God is the one that heals that and restores that. And so it doesn't matter how many times we're rejected and betrayed. If we're plugged into the love of God, bring it on. It doesn't matter because He suffices uh, our need for acceptance and for um, that agreement, that loyalty of a friend. He will never leave us or abandon us. So when we're, when we're walking high and everything is going good, there's no problem. Uh, we're throwing a party. Uh, we're walking uh, in, in, sometimes we feel like it's a dream. Um, but there's nothing more awful than running into, say with me, disappointment. A, a situation that makes you, you know, it, it contorts your face. It's it's a little bit bitter. It's not what you expected. And in the midst of that crisis, we feel like, you know, this is not the way things should work out. And so our first steps of nothing's going to stop me now to all of a sudden, wait a second, I have been totally uh, led astray into a disappointment, a, a situation I didn't expect. Um, uh, something turned out. That, that was not consistent with good, with favorable, with, with I, I success. It, it's not like that. And so uh, everything in the Bible 
in the Old Testament, if we read 1 Corinthians 10, 11, just to get a picture of what the Bible wants us to understand, it says, now all things, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, all things, say with me, all things, that happened to the Old Testament people was for, uh, to them as an example, it says they were written for our admonition. The word admonition calls for our training, for, for our warning. All these things are for our warning upon whom the end of the ages have come. Why? In verse 12. Because it might be that you think you're strong and be careful he who thinks he's strong lest he fall. All these things are written for our good. I don't, I don't you know, when I first got saved, I, I didn't understand a lot of things about God. Um, I just had a woman come to me this week and she says, I don't think I believe in God anymore. This, this disappointment has led me to question my faith. And I said, how's that? How, how does disappointment, the natural reaction of something being awfully bitter become God is, doesn't exist? Because if God did exist, this wouldn't be happening to me. And so the Bible says, be careful that you not fall in a trap just because you don't know how to deal with things that people in the past dealt with. And so in that regards, um, we need to be transformed. When I first became a Christian, um, I thought all bad things are from the devil. All, everything bad that happens in my life, straight from hell. I learned now 28 years later that my greatest days were going through tough times. And, and I... I wish I could call everybody who had calls, caused me to go through a bad time. I call them on the phone. I said, brother, you know something? Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for what happened in what was a bitter experience. I, I was able to grow and I was able to obtain the greatest lessons. I, 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 need, to thank, uh, I need to thank God for bad times because what I considered a bad time was actually not a disappointment, but say with me, a God appointment. It was, it was God divine. It was God putting everything together to show me something. And, and a lot of times we're trying to say, God, deliver me from bitterness. Well, God's going to show you that what could be, listen to me, as you grow in these things and you perceive them spiritually, their life and peace. It doesn't matter what's happening. And this is what he wants his people to be upon the earth. His people upon the earth are people that do not run into bitterness and, and act like there's a stink on them. Act like they're ants in their pants. Act like, you know, I'm not going to church no more. Listen to me. You will learn that every hardship, every bitter experience is actually a God appointment to show you something. And, and, and so let's read this verse in Romans 8 verse 6. These are the people, the people that know God the most used to say like this, when you are responding to things on a carnal perspective, it's devastating. For to be carnally minded is death. If you, if you approach life with things happening to you in a negative light uh, without having the peace of God, it becomes destructive. But if you do it spiritually minded, it doesn't matter what's happening. You enjoy life 
and you have peace. And the majority of people that I know, and, and, and there's been, I'm, I'm not going to underestimate that some people have gone through some horrific, bitter waters in life. That, that's not disputable. Because I've heard some stories of a woman losing her child. She's eight years old, the baby, the little girl. And she's crossing the front of the Mexican border. And, and her, her eight-year-old daughter has a whooping cough. And dies in her arms. And, and those are bitter waters. You have nothing to do. There's no doctor. There's nothing. There's nothing, nothing. And the baby dies. And so that drink for the rest of her life, because she did not have a spiritual mindset, because she didn't know God, she didn't trust God, she didn't understand God, became her downfall for the rest of her life to this very day. It doesn't matter. She had other daughters that were born into the family. She, she had children, in her, but it didn't matter. The, the drinking of those waters and the reaction caused her to, to, to this day continue. And, and you talk to her and she sees everything in a negative, bitter light. Only because of one reason. She, she wasn't spiritually minded. She didn't understand from God's point of view, from God's perspective. So you have two perspectives in every bitter situation. You, you consider it a disappointment or God's appointment. Either, either this is happening to me and it's not fair, or guess what? This is happening to me and God's in control and God knows something I don't know. So instead of seeing it as a disappointment, I'm going to see it as a God appointment. And in this regards, um, not only do we see this in Romans, we see this in the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. Romans 8, 6 and Galatians 6, 8. So it has a, both of them back, right? Romans 8, 6, Galatians 6, 8. Galatians 6 says, says if you sow to the flesh... You will reap from the flesh, the flesh, rottenness. Corruption means rottenness. It actually means cancer. If you're not careful when you're going through disappointment and heartache and hardship, you, you might infuse cancer, consumption, rottenness, corruption, migraine headaches, ulcers, just, just words that are bitter. I don't know, at, at, at experiencing bitterness, that's when bitter words come out experiencing heartache that's when broken-hearted words come out but he says but he who sows to the spirit will reap from the spirit uh, depth of life or abundance of life or a large life and so uh, instead of our life being cut short and that's what we feel like when we're going through heartache and ex experiences that are that are bitter um, you remember the parade right the parade is uh, nothing's gonna stop me now I'm going to go forward. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to, to walk in these scenarios. Um, you'll see that in a moment of, that's when you want to sing. That's when you want to dance. That's when you want to have the expressions of, of, of pure ecstasy. Life cannot be better. I'm living a dream. Let me ask you a question. How often is this our reality? It's not very often. It's more often than not that you're going to run across a very difficult time and you're going to say, I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm really let down. I'm really, this is not going like I expected. Let's, let's see a picture of this in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 15, verse 19. 
when we expect to encounter um, the, the joy of living, the triumph of victory, the success, all these things. It says in Exodus 15, 19, For the horses of Pharaoh went with the chariots, and his horsemen went into the sea. What, what, what does that make you want to express when you see all your troubles being totally decimated and defeated and buried in utter victory? And this is great. This is probably the, you know, the climactic point in these people's lives being 400 years under incredible slavery, hardship, uh, disappointment after disappointment, destruction, um, devastation, all these things that are horrid. And then in that moment, how many want to see all your problems in that picture being destroyed by God? Amen. How many want to put all their troubles away? And, 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 and to have a picture of that and you frame it, you know, it might be your foreclosure and the judge signs it, no more foreclosure. You put it in the living room, man. You put that thing there and you say, look at all my problems right there. God came through with flying colors. And so these, that's what's happening to these people. The Pharaoh, it says the horses of Pharaoh, his strength, with their chariots and their soldiers went into the sea. And the Lord caused the waters brought back of the sea to become upon them. They were buried alive in the water. And the children of Israel went on where? In dry land. In the midst of the ocean, the sea, the Red Sea, they're buried. And so this is a powerful, you know, this is what I live for. Let me tell you something, just a little uh, parenthesis. I live for the day to see all my troubles destroyed. I, I want to see what God has promised fulfilled. I'm not, I'm not going to stop. And, and there's no devil in hell that could discourage me because I live for the joy that's set ahead of me. I don't care the conflicts that are in the journey. I don't care how many waves are in the ocean. I know that my, my gaze is set and my destination is sure. So uh, a friend of mine they went to the hospital losing his eyes and, and his little grandson's eight years old. Eight years old the, with the legacy of God. He says, Grandpa. He says, yes, son. The devil could take your sight, but he can't touch your vision. Eight years old. I love young men who stand up with the reality of God and speak the victories that God has promised. And so what do we see here? The children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. So all is good, right? And then here comes verse 20. One of the, um, Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, the sister of Moses, takes a, a tambourine, a timbrel, with all the women. And with their timbrels, they are dancing. They're doing the victory shuffle. Woo! Harry, ah, the party, let's rejoice. Everybody is, is dancing, having a great time. And the next verse says like this. And Miriam responded to them as they danced, singing to the Lord, saying, sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously the horse and its rider He has thrown 
into the sea. Everything that was threatening them, everything that was going to return them to, to Egypt, to slavery, everything, you know, people says, well, I guess we have to go back to how, listen, not if you're walking with God, you don't have to go back to nothing. You go forward to the promises of God. And, and that's where we're headed in this regard. The difference between those who are encouraged and discouraged. Those that are encouraged, encourage themselves in the Lord. They're, they're waiting upon God to do something different. And there they were, singing and dancing and having a great time. Now, I don't know if you can picture six million people throwing a party, but there it was. Looking at their enemies destroyed. Looking at those people who stood in the way, out of the way. Looking God intervene. And this is a glorious time. The waters of deliverance have once removed every semblance of every Egyptian that threatened them to take them back to the hardship and anguish. And so here, the, the unnatural, say with me, unnatural thought that I will never have another problem. Why do we think like that? Why... Why when God brings a huge deliverance, our next thought is, I don't want to see any troubles. I want to coast the rest of the way home. Ay, que rico. Listen to me. Wake up and smell the Cuban coffee. Smell the reality of life. That, that in this world, you will have trouble. You will have disappointment. You'll have deep-seated situations. So I, I figure, God, okay, you got your people. You're out of one trouble. Now you just take that little curve and, and, and let's go into the promised land. Let's see the glory of God. Guess what? That's not my God. I've learned that now after 28 years. God's going to take me right through the middle of the inner city pr troubles. God is not trying to, oh, I hope this does, I hope... Listen, he's going to take you right through the raw and the hard to show you he is God. He's God. And he doesn't turn back and he doesn't fear and he doesn't fret. And he's given us an excellent spirit to overcome every obstacle and every, um, every, uh, everything that comes against us stands in our way. God says, watch me now. He didn't tell the people, scoot the side to Goliath. He says, let's run out to him. And so here it is. While the people thought it would be taking the scenic route of a delightful, amazing magnitude and, and victorious little, okay, now we're going to go smell the roses and see the palm trees. Now we're, we're going to be under, listen to me, that's not God. That's, that's what I thought God was when I first met him. I had a, a total distorted, say with me, distorted, I had a distorted view of who God was, number one, and I had a really twisted mindset of every trouble that came across my life. And they're looking at them of saying, surely now I will die. This will be, you remember Fred Sanford? This is the big one. Elizabeth, here I come. He used to always say, whenever he's having troubles, that's it. Oh, uh, that, this is the one that's going to wipe me out. Guess what? You better know God, and you better know what is up with everything that stands in your way in the midst? And this is the difference between thinking carnally or thinking spiritually. And God wants us to be renewed in our mindset. So instead of taking us to places where they're pleasant 
and, and places that, that we're going to uh, have the, the ecstasy of joy, listen what happens in verse 22. He didn't lead them to anywhere other than a real disappointing place. It says Moses brought Israel. Who brought them? Moses. One version says Moses led Israel. Who was leading Moses? He could have led them wherever he wanted to. God could choose in your life to lead you to the blissful joy of having everything your heart ever wanted. But that's not God. Because that's not going to make you who God wants you to be. And God is trying to transform you into the character of one of his sons. One of his daughters. So leading Moses, he brought them out of, from the Red Sea. And they went not into a pleasant place. He took them into the desert, the wilderness of Shur. And they went for three days through the wilderness without water. And you're like, wait a second, aren't we traveling with God? Isn't God promised to take us to the promised land? Yes. And God keeps his promises. But then why is he taking us to a place where there's no water? Well, it gets better. In verse 23, it says like this, and when they came to a place called Marah, and they could find no waters of, uh, uh, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of that place was called Mara, which in Hebrew means bitter. I want to ask you something. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. Is this 100% God in control? Absolutely. This is not the devil in control. This is God taking his people before they continue the journey. Their first stop is at a bitter pool. And you say, this, does, this doesn't sound like it's God that's leading them. It doesn't sound like it's the promises God has extended. Why would he lead them to a place of bitterness? Let me tell you why. Because if you don't learn how to deal with disappointment in this life, you're going to be the most miserable person that ever lived. And God is making us the most fabulous, fantastic people that walk the face of the earth. And so bitterness is something you need to deal with. Disappointment is a reality of the human existence and, and the accounts of the affairs of men are filled with disappointment. But disappointment does not define us. Bitterness is not our cup of tea. What are we supposed to do in the midst of disappointment? God's going to show us today that from now on, we're going to go from bitterness to a world-changing sweetness. Because it doesn't matter what we go through or what's happening, we will understand how to respond. We will understand how we're to go forward. We're to realize that God is in control. And in the midst of this difficulty and disappointment now becomes their reality, the songs have stopped. Everybody in verse 24 begins to complain. You know, we have refined the art of complaint. We are expert complainers. I, I could fill a book, I, I could fill volumes of books of our expertise of complaining. We were created to do what? To praise. But we have become expert complainers. We were created, the Bible says, that in everything, bring God prayer. And we, it says pray without ceasing. Well, some people say, well, how do I do that? Pray without stopping? Yeah, the same way you complain. The same way you consistently complain. And you, you come up with fantastic ways to, to just continue to pour out your rottenness and bitterness. The people began to complain against Moses. They began to blame somebody for what they were going through. We were experts at doing that. 
We blame the cat. We blame Obama. We blame the Democrats, the Republicans, Bush. We blame everybody in the time of disappointment. We are expert complainers. And they begin to complain. I don't know if you've ever heard six million people complaining. What would it sound like? I mean, we're just about 250 in this room. And so we go like this. Let's all start complaining at the same time. Ready? Go. Oh, I can't believe this. This is horrible. Look where we're at now. How we're going to die. And why we did we die? And imagine six million people pouring out constant bitterness and, and spiking the air with an atmosphere of defeat, of loss, of nobody loves me. And I can't believe this is happening. Listen to me. I've been there. I've, I've been driving down the road in a horrible disappointment and saying, God, I don't understand. I'm a preacher. Why am I going through problems? Why this mess? Why this test? Why not a criminal? Why not a drug addict? Why not a rapist? Why not a murderer? Why not a bank robber? And I'm complaining. And God, you're giving me a bitter drink, I think, to just let all that stuff out and tell me you're such a fool. You're such a fool. Just a little bit of adversity comes out what's in the inside. All the self-entitlement and why me and woe me. And I, Listen to me. We need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to shine like like. like the stars of the firmament. If I read to you Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says like this. Let me make sure that that's the right verse. Um, it, it says, listen, we need to walk as children of light in this world. There's only one thing that reflects His glory like nothing else can in, in our lives. I'm going to look it up real quick. Yeah. Philippians 2.14, it says, hey, so that you can become a spotless child of God in this world, do all things without complaining and grumbling. Grumble, 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 grumble. You have to even put a bad face when you're complaining. You can't go like, I can't believe this is so horrible. No, you, your face has to go, and your lip drops, and your eyes drop, and you just contort and distort. Sorry. It says, do some things without complaining. All things. So when can I complain? Never. What do you mean never? Yeah, you're a child of God now. God had to take you to bitter waters so he can deal with that reality in your life. That in this world, you will have trouble. You will have hardship. You will have disappointment. Lord needs to give you bitter drinks that he might be glorified. Why do we do all things without complaining? Please, underline that. Memorize it. Take it home. Let it come out in season and out of season. Do all things without complaining. Without grumbling. Without murmuring. Without gossiping. With no negative reaction to life. Well, that would mean I'm a Christian. Yeah, verse 15. So that you might become these blameless, harmless children of God without showing anything faultful in the midst of a bitter, crooked, perverse, degenerate generation. I added some words. Among whom, in the midst of all these things, you are shining like lights in this world. 
The only thing that makes you a child of God is going through a disappointment, going through deep bitterness, going through waters you didn't expect, and saying, thank you, God. Thank you. Yeah, that's the difference between complaining. You start giving thanks. Well, I would like to grumble a little bit. Grumble, grumble, grumble. No. You can pray. You, you could use this as an opportunity to get on the same wavelength of God. And so in all these things, he says, so that you might be seen in this world as light. God had to take his people to the bitter pools of Mara. To be able to show that in the midst of hardship, trials, uncertainties, when life deals you bitter waters, and some decide they're going to complain and murmur, and some are going to be resentful to those around them, and they're going to spend the rest of their life blaming others, full of the corruption and rot of a bad attitude. In verse 25 it says that Moses decided to do something different. Moses decided to pray to the Lord. To use his bitter experience, his disappointment, we're back in Exodus, to use that experience as an opportunity to cry out to the Lord. Exodus 25, right? Verse 24. No, 15, 24. It says, Moses cried out to the Lord. The people complained and asked Moses, verse 25, and Moses cried out to the Lord. And you know what happens when we pray? The Lord will lead you to what you need to do in the middle of the God appointment. This appointment means that, that it happened to you out of the blue and you didn't expect it. Appointment means God designed it and led you to that experience for a purpose. Last week I was talking to a woman. She said, I'm, I'm going crazy with my husband. I don't know what to do. I said, listen, have you prayed? No. I'm getting divorced. I said, no, 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 excuse, excuse me, excuse me. Listen, pray. Ask God for direction. Use this as an opportunity to press in to a relationship with God. To know God differently. To see God show forth powerfully. We don't. We don't pray. Well, if I didn't have problems, I would pray. No, because you have problems, you could cry out to the Lord, and the Lord showed Moses a tree. Six million people complaining, grumbling, disappointed, hurt, bothered, without understanding, questioning the existence of God, and one person saying, thank you, Lord, because I know your character. I know who you are. I know that you're a faithful God. I know that you're more powerful than this circumstance. I know that you're going to raise us above. This is why God has called us to be overcomers. Overcomers means you go over the thing. It doesn't mean you're, you're dead in and destroyed. And, no, no, overcome. You're coming over it. And I said, Lord, just as long as I'm coming over it, everything's fine. As long as we're going to go past this into the next season. And it says that Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and told him exactly what he was to do. And what's it say? Verse 25. He says, verse 25, back up. Therefore, he says when he, he says the Lord, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he grabbed and cast the tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Therefore, he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. God is, is taking us to 
appointment after appointment after appointment to what? To stretch you in your faith, number one. Number two, to understand the character of God. And I want to tell you, brings a joy to, and a smile to my face, seeing how God overcomes. It brings joy to my face. Listen, it wasn't at the beginning. This is 28 years later. Now I have seen the glory of God. I, I look at every hardship and every difficulty. Those of you who know me know that, that this is true. And it's only because I've drunk a lot of these disappointments. I'm like, what's up with you? And, and why is this going on? And, and where are you? And why me? And, and, and you, you, have, you don't know God. You do not know God. So I told the, the marriage couples yesterday, if you guys knew God, you guys would be able to enter into a depth of enjoyment of your marriage that's amazing. Every hardship, every difficulty, every situation, opportunity to get closer and get on God's page. Everything that happens in marriage is created with, a, with the purpose of God to touch our hearts, to bring us a deeper understanding of love towards each other. And, and some people in the world, they go through problems, you know something, I think I'm going to leave you. They leave? Are you kidding me? There's no leaving. There is going deeper into sweetness. There's replacing the disappointment to an appointment. To being able. And so he made for them a ordinance. He, he, this, these bitter waters was brought there to show his power. To show what we're supposed to do in the middle of disappointment. To, to come out with a, what became as a virtual principle and a law to the people. And it's in the next verse, verse 26. He gave them this ordinance. If you're careful to listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and you're able to follow Him in the midst of disappointment and bitterness, and you're able to do what is right in what God's sight is, because this is the problem. When we start going through bitterness, we start doing right in our own eyes. We start doing right. Everybody's telling me, man, you should really kill him. Kill him! See, that's right in your eyes. That's right in your friend's eyes. But you need to listen to God. You need to do at that moment of disappointment what God would expect you to do because God wants to turn a real destructive scenario into a real amazing, amazing, sweet scenario. And so he says, from this point on, you're to listen to my voice in the middle of the the hardship. When When things in your life come with bitterness, be still and listen for my voice. There's going to be a lot of voices speaking. A lot of voices are speaking. But you have to go, hey... How many six million people were grumbling? Huh? And loud. How was Moses able to hear the voice of God? Because he put all that other stuff to the side. If he would have got in that spirit, he would have missed out God. He wouldn't have seen the glory of God. He wouldn't have seen sweetness. He wouldn't have been able to be instructed by God what to do. So he says, in that moment, do what is right. Give your ear to his commandments. Keep his statutes. And if you do this, listen to this promise. Ready for this? I will put none of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you. You're not going to live like the world lives. You're not going to walk like unbelievers walk, that when they go through bitterness, they wreck marriages. When they go through hardships with their sons, they break a relationship with their son. When they go through hardships with their father, they walk out and run away like a prodigal son. No! Bitterness, hardship, disappointment to stretch us, to see God, to hear from God, to know God, to capture the essence of the promises of God. He says, if you do this, none of the diseases 
on you which I've brought upon the Egyptian. For I will be the Lord. And in all these situations, I will heal you. I'm going to touch your life. You'll be untouched by the plagues of this earth. That's the promise of God. And how glorious is, and I'm thinking, God, you took these people out of Egypt. Instead of taking them to a good place, you took them to a place where they were going to murmur. They were going to complain. They were looking at all the bad stuff. They weren't looking at the love of God. They weren't looking at a lesson. They were, listen, a lifetime lesson. Years ago, about um, 10 years ago, a woman came into my office and she says, uh, I'm looking for a lawyer. I said, well, you found one. She goes, my son goes to the elementary school here, the public school, and as I was coming to bring him lunch at the school lunch, um, the school principal yelled out in front of all the kids that my kid was real dumb, that he was just a duh, you know, she, he just said some words that were inappropriate. And it was in front of all the kids, and, and my, my, my child is ashamed. He's, he's really hurt, and I want to sue the school board for defamation. I want to sue for slander. I, I, want to, I want to teach them a lesson. And I said, lady, there's sovereign immunity amongst the government entities. So you'll only be able to sue them for $100,000. They have a cap. And she says, well, then we'll go for the cap. And I said, listen to me. I have a better idea. Instead of um, getting $100,000, I have a way where you can, you can have a million dollars. And she says, well, how's that? I said, you teach your child how to forgive, and that'll be a million-dollar lesson that he will carry the rest of his life in every place where he is hurt, he will forgive. In every place where there's hardship, he will grow over it. Because if you don't teach him that lesson now, he's going to be the most miserable little boy and man the rest of his life. The, the, the lessons of forgiveness. And I say, God, thank you, Lord, for taking the people of Israel to a pool of bitter drink. So that we have an idea of how we're to respond in times of disappointment. In times of hardship. In times that we don't understand. In times when you take that first go. You imagine how thirsty they must have been three days without water. And then they show up to this thing. I'm sure they were like. All that bitterness had to come out. And they were like, what's going on with you? And so a faithful God wanting to reveal his character. Wanting to, to shape the character of his followers. It wouldn't be the last time they would confront adversity and conflict. They needed to learn this lesson to be able to go and live the rest of life. And so the, the woman left my office and I, I hope she went into that direction and not to find another lawyer. I hope she was able to see that greater is the capacity we have to forgive than the capacity we have to complain. And they're making the water sweet. They were able to see a character of God's healing. They were able to see that in the midst of the worst of our dealings as human beings and disappointments, God is there to show forth His glory. Their first trial, after experiencing great, and, and this is what we need to learn, there'll be moments in life where you're going to be riding a high wave of incredible glory. There was a triumphant glory. And then here comes a life lesson, a life hardship, uh, uh, an apparent disappointment, we say, no, no, I'm not going to give. I, I used to have a friend when I became a Christian, and every time he went through a hard situation, he would say, Joaquin, the devil knows what he's doing. The, the devil knows what he's doing. The, the devil knows what he's doing. Listen to me. The devil is lost forever. The only one that has responsibility and accountability for our life, and everything that happens is God. 
God, we've given our lives over to God. He's responsible for every, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're the ones that need to understand and line ourselves up with that lesson. That bitterness is to hear the voice of God. To not complain. Uh, there's, there's these aspects of people that, that go through hardship. They complain. They murmur. They gossip. They're discouraged. They're bitter. And so I would, I would gather that you would begin all things by thanking God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything... Complain about nothing, but in everything, give thanks to God. Thessalonians, guys. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything. Begin, you know, that that just fixes everything. It it gives you the perspective, God is in this. And if God is in this, I'll see it through. In everything, I'm going to thank God. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. In all things, thank you, Lord. In all things, thank you, Lord. Philippians 4, 6, it says, not only giving thanks, but do what Moses did in that moment. He prayed to God. He didn't allow the occasion to to become an uproar. He says, let's pray. We we need to do that more often when there's difficulty, hardship, controversy. When something's going on that we're not in agreement with. Hey, 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 come here, come here. No screaming, no yelling, no threatening. No, I'm going to kill you. You're you're dead. I'm going to get you, man. I'm going to get you. No, let's pray. Why is God allowing this? Why, why is there something that's not good? And it says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, giving thanks, it says, in everything, prayer. With thanksgiving, let what's going on be known to God. Bring it before God. I thank God for servants like Moses, that in the midst of dark, deep desperation, they say, let's pray. Let's cry out to God. Let's see what God has in this. Let's find out what will happen if God shows up on the scene. What instruction he'll give us. It says uh, not only to thank God, to pray. It also says this scenario that we're to encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It says in the midst of discouragement, desperation, in the midst of dis- disappointment, encourage somebody. It, lift them up. Don't, don't pull them down. Don't throw them on the ground. He says we exhort you, brethren. Warn those who are unruly. Warn those that are out of place. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the discouraged. Be patient with all. These are the aspects of God's people. I don't know about you, but we're living in a world of great disappointment. How many say amen? We even, you know, since we were doing the marriage conference and giving out all these invitations, we ran into people that responded. We're sitting there doing something, you know, to change the world in the lives of these people. And as the people responded, man, bitterness. I've been married twice. I'll never be married again. My husband just left me. Three months ago, I got divorced. Uh, you know, I, 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 just, just devastating bitterness. If we're going to be the people of God, we need to be able to deal with these scenarios. And so there it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Think it not a strange thing that you run into bitter waters, fiery trials, which come to test to see what you're made out of. As though something strange is happening to you. Hey, 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 who put this stuff here? Who put this stuff here? See, you, you approach it like 1 Peter 1, 6. It says, in this we greatly rejoice. That we're suffering all kinds of trials for a little while. So that our faith might be enlarged. So that its value could be greater than gold. Verse 7. We're going to be suffering all types of trials 
that the genuineness of your faith will be seen in the depth of your desperation. When you think that things are going contrary, you're assured that your God is faithful, that your God will see you through, that your God will turn your bitterness into sweetness. Being much more precious than gold, your faith, gold that perishes, though your faith is tested by fire, that you might be found to praise, honor, and glory when Christ is revealed. When you see what God intended, and though in verse uh, 8 it says like this, it says, whom even though you don't see, you love him. And though you do not see him, yet you believe in him. And you rejoice in a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Verse 9, receiving the end, the result, what God brought you into that in the first place, the end of your faith, which is the expression of salvation and deliverance. As we see all these things taking place in Israel's journey, I'm wondering, uh, what journey are you in? Many men who teach this portion of Scripture say that, that that tree that was brought over to the bitter waters is an expression of that piece of tree there, which is the cross of Christ. That you put Christ into what you're going through. Let it be interpreted through the expressions of His goodness in your life. You're going to be amazed to know that everything that happens to you happens to you with a purpose. I love what it says in Romans 1.8 when Paul says, all over the world people are hearing about the expressions of your faith. I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is spoken of throughout the world. How you stand strong, believing in God, even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst of hardship, in the midst of desperation. The faithfulness of God to know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. This is the darkest disappointment that could happen to mankind, which is the death of a loved one. And Paul says, even in that bitter drink of the loss of a family member, we can thank God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. Even in the depth of, of departing from a loved one. Uh, the, uh, you know, Oscar just went through that experience with his father's funeral last week. Um, we've had people, you know, close to us pass away. And, and even in the depth of that bitterness, God turns it into a sweet atmosphere. Because how we have learned to incline our heart in the direction of God. It says in 2 second, second Corinthians, the promise of God, chapter 2, verse 4. Raising up thanksgiving to God. Being thankful to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ through us spreading the fragrance of Christ to the rest of the world. Um, that was the witness at the funeral last week. People couldn't understand how Oscar had so much peace. How Oscar was thanking the Lord. How, how we're able to respond, not to the realities of, of hardship and, and difficulty, but our reaction to it. Let's stand this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but you can place your confidence in God. You could turn around and say, you know something, Lord? I want to learn today in the house of God that you don't, while you lead me to victories and triumphs and good things happen in my life and I'm thankful for them, I'm also thankful for leading me to things that I didn't expect, things that don't have no rhyme or no reason, 
things I can't see and I can't perceive them being beneficial, but knowing that you will reveal the faithfulness of your character. Knowing that there, I'm going to see your glory. Knowing that there, the obstacles that come against me, I will come against, not in my power, not in my might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to confront these things knowing who my God is. That He's going to reveal who He is. I've got to listen to His voice. I've got to cry out to Him instead of complaining. Instead of setting, setting things in a direction that is worse. I'm telling you, sometimes the, you know, our reactions to bitterness and disappointment is worse than the problem. It comes to affect us worse than the actual scenario. And this is, I find this to be really powerful. Deuteronomy 32.10. This is the last verse I'll share today. This is talking about how Moses developed a relationship with God that in the midst of disappointment and bitterness, he was able to lift up his eyes and say, God, I want to know what you're in, what's going on in this thing. Deuteronomy 32, verse 10. He says, I have learned that I have found him in the desert land. I found him in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He says the most horrible of deserts. God was able to encircle Moses and instruct them, and keep Moses as the apple of his eye. How many want that promise for you? So, so let's make it ours this morning. We say, Lord, you know everything. You're the one that led me in this direction. You know how awful it is, how Moses describes that that word howling wilderness is like hell-bent. It's like an inferno of difficulty. But in that place, the Lord was able to surround him, to teach him, and to always lift them up as the apple of his eye. So as we sing this song, you, you can make that transfer in today. Maybe you were part of the people of Israel uh, complaining, murmuring, why did you make me this way? And I can't believe you. And look where you led me. You know what? I, 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 I have to show you something because you're, you're going to miss it if I don't. Can, can, we, can I give you one more verse? One more verse. Exodus 15, 27. After this whole experience... Exodus 15, 27 says like this. Then they came to Elim, and there were 12 wells of water, 70 palms, and they camped there by the waters. Isn't that powerful that God could have led them there first, and he chose not to? And, and, and our expectation is, why is God taking us the rough route? Listen to me, because we've got to grow up. We've got to mature. We've got to change the world. We've got to change our bitterness into sweetness. And there is the promise God knew that Elim was there. The place of wellspring, of palms. This was a paradise. But God first led them to bitter waters so that they could be His people. So He could instruct them. So they could learn. As we sing this song, you also bow your heads, close your eyes, and tell God, Lord, please never avoid in my life taking me where you need to take me to learn what I need to learn to become who you want me to be. Do not, do not, Avoid dealing with my life because I need to be transformed in my character so that I can represent you upon the earth accurately. As we sing this song, you're talking with the Lord.